This is the Champion Forum Podcast with Jeff Hancher, the forum for leaders, champions, and dreamers. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I have been anxiously awaiting this episode for quite some time. Uh, as many of you know, our organization, we cover quite a bit of ground as it relates to helping organizations thrive and helping organizations really reach their fullest potential. That's what we're about. And as of late, we've been getting quite a bit of request as it relates to assistance in the area of sales training and development. Maybe you're listening. Maybe you have uh, been somebody that has uh, been under my sales leadership. Uh, maybe you're somebody that's a current client that we do sales training for. Maybe you've been to one of our two-day sales academies. Uh, if that's you, uh, you are probably among the people that have asked for additional resources as it relates to sales. You know, every organization that we're working with right now is in the fight for revenue. Uh, they're in the fight for top-line sales. Some of that is preparing for what uh, a lot of people think is going to be a choppy economy ahead. Uh, make hay while the sun is shining. Well, Today, I have an amazing guest live right here in the studio, which doesn't happen often, uh, that's going to tackle some of the biggest challenges that salespeople and sales leaders are faced with in today's business climate. This is a person that is out there, that is in the trenches, just like I once was in the corporate world. And also, uh, for the first time ever, I have a very exciting announcement to make. But before I make the announcement, I want to take a moment and introduce you to our amazing sales expert today. He's an experienced director of sales training. He's led sales organizations at the executive level. Uh, he's carried the bag in the field as a sales rep. He's knocked on the doors, picked up the phone, made the prospecting calls. And just when you thought it couldn't get any better, he has also led operational efforts for a large Fortune 500 company. He has tremendous skills in coaching, leadership, development, Salesforce training, and consultative selling, and has the trophy case to prove it. You know, it's hard to find somebody that's very good at sales, but also has an organizational background. This is a great balance. Some would call that a unicorn, uh, and I'm excited to announce him. But uh, it gets even a little bit better because he's also a veteran of the United States Army, and we, that's something else that we share in common that I'm very excited about. I'm also beyond excited to make the announcement public here on the show for the very first time that he's also the newest member of the JHE Facilitators and Training Team, Chris Fava. Thank you, first off, for your service to our country, and uh, welcome to the show and welcome to the team. Thanks, Jeff. Really appreciate it. it it's I, I a long time coming. Yeah, I know. It's, we've, this has been going on over a year, I think. Yeah. You and I having some conversations. Yeah. So it's fantastic, and, and um, I'm very honored to be here today. So. Well, our paths crossed quite a bit in the corporate world, and uh, as we've spoken many times, I've heard amazing things about you and your background and your journey, and we have several mutual connections, and uh, you were kind of watching from a distance and your name came up at the water cooler multiple times and as our customer demand continued to grow um, I'm, I'm very particular about who we put in front of our customers and you and I hit it off I mean there's a, a lot of mutual things that we have in common and uh, you're the real deal as it relates to business acumen and more importantly sales acumen so I'm thrilled 
Yeah, well, I appreciate that very much, Jeff. Thank you. Well, we're going to dive into some uh, some sales talk today. Uh, that's what this episode is around. Obviously, we have some exciting news to share with the listeners as well as far as resources they can take advantage of. But I wanted to really pick your brain. I mean, your resume is amazing. You've done uh, you've really done it all. I mean, you started out even in the infancy uh, as a driver at UPS and kind of worked your way up through. So it wasn't like they just picked you up and put you at the top of the hill, right? Um, and I think there's a lot that people can glean from that. You know, I tell I tell clients all the time. I tell our listeners all the time. My opinion is this, Chris, is that the best way to reach success is to get around people that have been where you want to go. And you're one of those guys. You have a lot to offer. And I'm looking forward to diving into some of the things that you've learned uh, on your sales journey. So let's start with a little bit about you. You transitioned from the military. Uh, you find yourself in a large organization in an mm-hmm. operations type role, uh, a supervisory role. I think you drove truck a little bit as well for UPS. And you make a few pivots. You find yourself in sales. And uh, as they say, the rest is history. Here's the question I have based off of knowing a little bit about your path and your journey. Is is sales something that you had your eyes on or did it just kind of organically happen? Or were you like, this is where I need to be? Or did it kind of fall in your lap? Uh, A little bit of both, Jeff. I I think uh, it started when I was a kid um, and my mom and dad noticed that it was very easy for me to talk to people. Um, And I was very curious as a child. Uh, when I would meet people, and, and I'm talking when I was six, seven, eight years old, I would ask a lot of questions, whether it was a waiter or a waitress. Hi, my name's Chris. What's your name? How long have you worked here? And so my dad really planted that seed. I could always see Chris in sales. So, you know, the way it kind of ended up is through a couple mergers, I landed in operations and I was very organized and I was very much a locker room type of guy. Wanted to be out in front with drivers, you know, getting ready for the day. Rah, rah, rah. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, and I had a good business acumen based on UPS and, and whatnot. Um, and I think the, the army helped with that too, is that esprit de corps, just that camaraderie. I loved all that. I had a sales leader that went on a a route ride with me when I was going to visit some customers. And he said to me, and we both know this person, he said, we got to get this guy in sales. (laughs) So if I can just teach him, give him the playbook, because he has that just that natural charisma. I'm not tooting my own horn. This was quote unquote. Um, You have that natural charisma. People like you. People are drawn to you. Good energy. He said, if I can teach him the sales playbook, the activity and, you know, what we use to, to drive business, then I think I could turn him into something special. Yeah. Yeah. Similar, similar story, right? I think, too, as leaders, as we probably both reflect back and think about some of the unorthodox hires that we make, um, you know, that might not be, you know, cookie cutter, check the box, but there's this natural gifting maybe that people have and they needed to pull out, uh, which I guess is a good follow up question, which is. Would you say that you were a natural in sales, like it just clicked, or early on was it a grind? Like, were you relying heavily on your natural gifts and hitting the wall because you didn't know what you were doing, or did your natural ability get you there and the rest was history and it just came easy to you? Great question, Jeff. I think the natural ability can only get you so far. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I got to that point to where I was bringing in some business, but then once I got comfortable with the playbook that we're going to talk about, you know, in our sales academy and in this, in this, you know, in this interview today, I think uh, 
once I got comfortable with that playbook, then, you know, I hit the wall and then I started implementing some of the things because I thought that if I could just walk in and smile, ask a couple questions, people are going to give me their business. Right. Well, that was only maybe 10%. <laughs> that other 90% I got that from was actually listening to my sales manager and following that playbook because the playbook works if you work it. Yeah. So, you know, I got that... I was a little stubborn in the beginning. Like, do I really have to make 100 dials? Do I really have to knock on 50 doors every week? You know, we talk about the golden tickets and all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. So once I got, I shed that stubbornness, I'm like, okay, I need to listen now because, you know, I want to do better. I want to be at the top of the leaderboard, and I want those big commission checks. Then that's when things started happening for me. Yeah, I love that. And I, I will tell you this, just from talking on the phone with you, uh, being on a Zoom call, being in person with you, you're definitely the person that will light up a room. And and I'm not the first person that has told you this. Like there's an energy that comes about. Um, but why I want to highlight that is I guarantee you, Chris, there are people listening that say, that's not me. I'm not the guy or the girl that lights up the room. I don't bring all the energy. Uh, but here's what I think I'm hearing from you, which is that's only going to get you so far because uh, we both have probably led uh, people that were somewhat introverted, maybe not the life of the party, but they executed a process so well that they they didn't lose. Uh, would you say that if if somebody is listening that maybe they're not the the social butterfly life of the party, can they win in the game of sales? 100%. Yeah. So, you know, people buy from people that they trust. Sure. You don't have to come in and light the room. Sometimes there's people that do not trust me because you come in and you're this big personality and you light up the room. But what I've looked for and what you've looked for when we're hiring and we're looking is I'm looking for a winner. Yeah. You could be a winner. You can be professional, right? You have that business maturity, but maybe it takes a little bit longer for the lights to get brighter. Right. I I think we both, uh, you know, we've heard the saying that uh, when you walk in a room, the lights get brighter or a little bit dimmer. Sometimes it takes a little bit more, but that's not always important to the prospect. Yeah. They want to buy from people that they trust. Yeah, I agree. And I think the other key contributor to any level of success, sales or or anything, is a level of personal confidence. I've also found in all of my years of training salespeople that the person that is a little more introverted or not the life of the party their ramp up is typically faster in my experience. And here's why I found that to be true. They rely so heavily on the process because they're not bringing the natural ability. When sure. I first started in sales and uh, I've gone on record, you know, Sean Coyne, I've talked about him on the show oh, a million yeah. times. I, I think he brought me on because of the personality and all of this. But I found myself six months into this thing saying I was better off on the truck. Like, I thought that my energy, my enthusiasm was going to make me a rock star. I mean, it had gotten me that far. Sure. I had never lost before with it. And here I am finding myself losing. And it was at the hand of that leadership that said, no, we're going into the conference room. We're going through a process. You will learn this process. You will role play this. This is how you will say it. And there's no other way. (laughs) And so it was that discipline that got me over the hump of just relying on my natural ability. Now, you, you have led and trained thousands of salespeople in the span of your career. 
what would you say are the most important sales skills that salespeople need to learn, whether they're tenured or starting out? What, what are those key things? These, these are the non-negotiables. The first one that comes to mind, just being in my current situation now and over the past year, is the, the prospecting piece. Jeff, I, I think that's something that I, I think a lot of sales executives and professionals really struggle with because in this age, it feels like when we were selling, you know, I, we didn't have all of the avenues that a lot of people have now, whether it's having a BDR, people prospecting for you. I think the prospecting piece, because it's so hard, because picking up the phone means I have to interrupt your day. Mm -hmm. And so I think they take a lot of shortcuts. And I think if you master prospecting, let's go back to you take my energy, your energy, likability, winning professionalism, and you can teach people how to perfectly prospect, then I think that's that's the one thing. And I talk to sales professionals, I mentor a bunch of them, they still call me, you know, to this day. And at the end of the conversation, usually the root cause of their slump is because they stopped prospecting. And I think Let's elaborate on that a little bit because prospect, some people think, well, do I send out emails? Do I just pick up the phone? In this day and age, we have our prospects are busier than ever. So I think one thing I like to talk about is that prospecting sequencing where you're either you're picking up the phone, you're sending an email. One thing that I have found that has been extremely beneficial is sending a 30-second short video message. Yes, sir. You know, utilizing, there's all kinds of different apps that you can use. Those video messages, I really learned that through COVID, you know, because it was so hard. I needed a, another way to get in front of these prospects and to see who Chris Fava was. Yes. And so a quick, short 30-second video, but really being disciplined with your prospecting. It's not just, oh, I'm going to pick up the phone 10 minutes a day. It is a regimented, it is a something that there, it is non-negotiable. Yeah. The prospecting is non-negotiable. I think that's the one sales skill. And I think, you know, all the people you've talked to and trained, you get down to the root cause of why people struggle is because they've taken their foot off of that prospecting gas pedal. I could not agree more. You know, I, I tell people all the time, the good news about sales is that it's one of the only occupations that you can have that you can suck at and win. <laughs> Meaning, like, <laughs> you can make enough prospecting calls, door knocks, emails, mailers, videos. Yeah. If you're generating the right pipeline, you can even suck at closing and you're going to get luckier, right? It's a numbers game. It is an absolute numbers game. And we have multiple industries listening to this episode today. Uh, some are still knocking on doors. Some are doing TikTok videos. I mean, you know, some it's through AI. Like, there's all kind of new ways for prospecting. But the message here, I believe, Chris, and I agree with you, is if you lose sight of prospecting, either one, you're, you're not putting in the effort to do it, or two, you haven't learned how to do it the right way, you're missing a big opportunity. Uh, because I think, by and large, and I'd love your thoughts on this, a lot of salespeople gravitate towards the presentation, the widget, the bells and whistles, the features and benefits. Sure. And they get so enamored with their product that they lose sight of the activity and the funnel shrinks up. Are you seeing this? Uh, 100%. I, I think the, the present was, we used to say it was show up and throw up. Yeah. You know, and you talk about what's important to you 
and they miss the discovery, finding out what's important to the customer. But like you, to your point, Jeff, great point is that they lose sight of everything else that comes behind that. That's it. And I think to present, yes, everyone... We're the best. I'm the best. My product's the best. My widget's the mm-hmm. best. Of course, you're yeah, going to say ask that. me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> that's so it. I, I think, yeah, I think that's the, the one thing is is that what goes into it. The present, that I could teach pretty much anybody the present portion of it. But the prospecting piece, you, you, that, you have to make that a habit and it has to be a routine. And that's non-negotiable, like I said. 100% agree. And I, if it's that important... I think it stands to reason that you might as well get really good at it. I was on a a coaching call with a a senior leader, an entrepreneur, uh, who was uh, prepping their team for a trade show, uh, which IE is prospecting, right? They got the booth. They got the marketing. I mean, they got freaking flames shooting out the top of the display, the whole deal, right? And I'm like, all right, you spent all this money getting people to your booth. What are they going to say when they come? What's the pitch? What's the elevator pitch? What's this interest-creating statement? What's the hook that is going to, you know, solidify an appointment after the trade show? Because you can have the best giveaways. You can have the best display in the world. But whether it's a trade show or picking up the phone, are you delivering something that's so thought-provoking and so profound that people say, it would make sense to invest 30 to 60 minutes to hear more about what they have to say? And I think that's also a missing piece, which comes to training. And there's a lot of people listening that are like, I've never been offered that training. I don't even know where to begin. I went to Jeff Hancher's Sales Academy 18 months ago, and I even forget what we learned there. And so I think there's something to be said about getting the content and getting it right, which is another reason why I'm thankful to have you on the squad. Yes, absolutely, Jeff. I, I think uh, one more thing on the on, on the prospecting piece is, you know, when I first started, we talked about, uh, you know, my charisma and injury only getting me so far. And I, it got to that point to where two, three months in, yes, I, I, you know, you got some leads that you're working with, you know, knocking on doors, whatnot. But I remember a debrief with a former sales leader. Um, I think I could say his name, Michael May. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember Mike debriefing with Michael and we started going through my pipeline and my pipeline was completely dry. And why, why was that? Is because I stopped picking up the phone. I stopped knocking on doors because I got a little cocky. I got a little arrogant. Oh, yeah, I'm coming in. I'm rookie. I'm rookie of the year. I'm coming in off all this. And I look at my pipeline, and it's it's pretty dry. And that's a scary feeling. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, you want to get out of a slump, folks. If you're listening to this, I tell you, you want to get out of a slump, prospect your butt off. Yeah. That's the best way. And when you come out of a slump, that's like when the Hoover Dam releases Mm -hmm. and there's nothing better. People say, ask me all the time, how do I get out of the slump, Chris? Knock on, make one more call. Yeah. Make one more call. Yeah. More at bats, more chances to get on base. Funny, quick story about the, uh, the Sean Coyne era. Uh, you know, I'm on the verge of being on a performance improvement plan on month six, right? Welcome to Pitville. Yeah, he, he's he's questioning, like, sh- you know, I should have never put my name on this guy, right? But I remember having a tough conversation with him, and I desperately wanted to win. And he said to me, he's like, because I wasn't real good at it. And he was like, but, I mean, look, I think one way that you could probably pull out of this he said, if you make 20 or 125 door knocks a week, I think you might be able to pull out of it. Now, little did I know at the time he was being sarcastic. 
So I went. I'm like, why, why'd you wait so long to tell me? Like, I'm down. Let's go. Six days a week, literally just knocking on doors. Yeah. Nothing happened magically right away. But all of a sudden, the phone started ringing in. Hey, you stopped by. I didn't have a need now. I have uh, then. I have a need now. So you can never... Uh, you can never question the activity model. It's got to be there. The more activity prospecting you have, the luckier you get. The better you get at prospecting, the, e the even luckier you get. So, well said. You've been in the field a lot. Uh, like I said at the intro, you've carried the bag. Uh, you have seen plenty of sales mishaps, maybe even more than victories. What are some of the common sales mistakes that salespeople make? And what are some things that we can do to avoid the common mistakes that you're seeing? <clears throat> so I, I think uh, the one thing I'll, I'll, I'll start with is, and this is pertaining to the people that have done it and have been very successful for multiple years, and they find themselves in a slump, is I, I think that the cherry picking. I think when a lot of these reps go out in territories, you know, they've been in their territory two, three years. They forget what that rookie lens looks like. And so I, I try to tell them, like, listen, try to put that rookie lens back on where you're going out and following what we teach you is five to the left, five to the right, and not just that, that cherry pick. And I think a, a lot of these veterans that find themselves in slumps is that they're just going after the whales and targets, and they forget about that up and down the street business. And that goes back to the prospecting piece. I think it all, doesn't it usually all just go back to prospecting? Sure does. And who you're prospecting and mm -hmm. who you're talking to. And I, and I think also, too, is, is getting away from the tried and true sales process. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times as these veterans, they achieve a lot of success early, then they kind of start to skip certain steps. And I understand I'm all about shortening the sales cycle. Mm -hmm. However, there's certain steps that you can't miss. Mm -hmm. And so we start role playing, you know, okay, let's do a role play. And I don't even know, like some of the people I mentor, you know, I kind of know what they're selling, but it really doesn't matter, right? This, our sales process, you know, it applies to everybody, everybody. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we start going through it. I'm like, I find out they they're missing one of the most important steps. And I think this is one I talk about all the time in sales training mm -hmm. is the discovery. Yeah. And I think in the discovery is I am trying to get this prospect to, number one, trust me. How do you get somebody to trust you? Get them talking about themselves. Sure. What are your roles and responsibilities? So we go back and we listen to these. So we'll do play. We'll record them and then listen to them. I'm like, I go, what do you, what's, what's the glaring? What's glaring? What is standing out that you did wrong? Yeah. He goes, I didn't ask anything about you. Mm. People love to talk about themselves, True. Jeff. Right? And I mean, I'm company. here right now. I'm loving this. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, I'm a prospect <laughs> yeah. right now. This is great. <laughs> right? See how comfortable I am? <laughs> I just told everybody how awesome you are. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. But if you were to sit here and talk about Jeff the entire time, I'd be like, yeah. okay, God, can we get Enough. this? Yeah, right? Jeez, let's go. So I think a couple things. I, I think let's go back to the discovery. And I also think that the cherry picking, because I think there's so much business that we miss because they have this stereotypical customer. Oh, Brad over at, you know, abc.com, you know, they're not going to buy from me. Mm -hmm. And I think you miss a lot, right? We're tripping over nickels, you know, or $100 bills to pick up nickels. And yes. I, think, I think that's the, the the one thing. So, man, these are two really good points, you know, that I, let's, let's dive in a little bit. 
the uh, the target hunting, right? This is that live by the sword, die by the sword. And I love that you bring this one up because uh, it is so true. Who you prospect is who you ultimately will sell. So who you're calling on is who's coming into your funnel. And if you're top heavy with pro, uh, target prospects, the big ones, here's what we know about those. It's a much more complex sale. Um, it's harder to shorten the sales process. And so you're putting all of this inertia into this one account or handful of accounts. And at, if you're good, you're closing 25% of those, which means if you mess up at all, you're spent because you're putting all of your energy into these big accounts, which is why you do have to prospect a diverse funnel. Uh, because when the targets aren't hitting, you got to have things that are supplementing <clears throat> your monthly average, sure. which I think is great advice. Um, the other thing that you said about discovery, I think is so true. When I go into these coaching sessions, whether it's with sales reps or sales leaders or entrepreneurs, um, I do a discovery to find out what is their current process and, you know, get under the hood and find out where are the opportunities for me to consult them best. And everybody initially thinks that they're doing it well. Well, the reality is, is, uh, is there any fruit to prove that? And usually if I'm in the room, they're not where they need to be. And <laughs> so one of the questions I always ask is I'll go on a field ride with a, a customer, customer sales rep, or I'll pull in one of the sales managers and I'll say, hey, um, are you all doing a discovery process? And of course, anybody that's been in sales is like, oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm like, great. What's the five questions that you ask on every single call? And what answer are you trying to get from it? And that's when you see the deer in the headlights. And this is not a rebuke on anybody <clears throat> listening. Sure. But I want that to challenge you. Like, take a moment right now um, or, or when you get to a place that's safe and write down the five questions that you ask that are non-negotiable. And what answer am I trying to get from that question? What am I trying to uncover? Because I find in discovery and all the companies we go in, Chris, I find that uh, they Googled it. Uh, they went to a training. They've been asking the same five questions for the last 15 years. And they keep getting the same ridiculous answers that are not helping them get to a buying motive or a business objective that is most important to that client. They just keep asking the question because that's what they've always asked. Sure. More concerning is they don't know what they're asking. They're in there winging it. And when you ask a, a sales rep that you're paying to drive top line revenue in your company, what's the best five questions that you have? And they're struggling to come up with five. You have a great opportunity because I'm not here to, to ridicule you, but I'm telling you, you have a great opportunity because if you get prospecting and discovery, right, the closing almost happens naturally. <clears throat> so great. Those are two good ones. Chris, one of the most popular sales questions that I typically get is around prospecting. So I want to touch on this a little bit more uh, and get a little more granular with that yeah. as far as your experience. Getting new prospects in the sales funnel, in your experience, what's the best way to do that? Now, I know that there's multiple industries listening, so on and so forth, but based off of your experience, what you're doing, we talked about the importance of it. We talked about some multiple ways that you could go about doing it. What are some like practical things as a listener that maybe you could suggest that they could take away uh, that has worked for you in the past? How do we get this funnel built? So that's a, this could be a, a long answer. Um, there's, there's a lot of different things that go into the prospecting. I think number one, 
got to know your territory. You know, I, I, you know, when I, when I first started, I'll tell you a story. When I was, I had, um, I was living in Rock Hill, South Carolina, and I ended up, uh, my first sales territory was Charlotte. I never made it up to Charlotte very often. So what I did, and this is just what I did and what worked for me in the beginning. Now, this is before we were selling, before we had a CRM and before there was a customer database. And, you know, there was a CRM, but did anyone ever update it? There was some prospects in there. You obviously have to go sift through that. But I got out in my territory and I started driving. And that's just something that worked for me because what we were selling at the time, every basically every business could could have used it. So I went out and I got familiar with that. And that took a lot. That was Saturday mornings, getting up, getting in the car, driving the streets, taking notes and whatnot. That was one thing is I had to learn. I want I treated my territory like I was going to be in it for five years, yeah. at least five years. Um, the other thing, too, is you had mentioned, you talked about uh, what Sean Coyne said to you about knocking on doors. You got to get out at some point. Now, this none of this replaces picking up the phone mm-hmm. and understanding you have to make phone calls, mm-hmm. okay? Because you think about what it takes, how long it takes to get in the car. You have windshield time to go out and start knocking on doors. That will n- should never, ever, ever replace the phone, mm-hmm. picking up the phone. So mm-hmm. I think that's the one I want to make that very clear to all the listeners is don't say just jump in the car because that took a long time. Now, do all, most a lot of sales executives, did they do what I did? No, I did have an advantage because I was in operations and I knew it a little bit, but I wanted to go out. Where were we parking our trucks? Well, I wanted to go, okay, I know there's people out there that see our trucks. Let's knock on those doors where they see us coming in. Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned, I know there's a lot of different industries, and you may have bigger territories that might not pertain to you, but that, acti- that high activity level, whether it's picking up the phone, sending out emails, it's got to be a combination of that. Uh, and again, like I said, I had a leader tell me this long time. It was, Chris, treat your territory like you're going to be in it for five years. You have to know your territory yes. and you have to know where our current customers are. That was another advantage of mine being that I was in service and operations, Jeff, you knew. is that I made phone calls. I called current customers. Mm-hmm. Hey, why are you using us? What do you like about us? Oh, by the way, while I have you in the phone, I know you know some people that could benefit from it because I, you're like you just mentioned, you're very happy with our service. Can you give me, I make a living off of referrals, Mr. Customer. Can you give me just like five people? Yeah. So I continue to fill that funnel. And what better from some warm introductions and referrals from customers that love us. Now, don't call customers that may have some service issues with you because you might get a, a different answer or you might get hung up on. <laughs> yeah. They may have a lot more to say than a referral, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, you're going to turn into an account manager. <laughs> yeah. And then there's all kinds of things yeah. that will pull that, you away That's when you put your sales hat on and say, that's operations <laughs> problem, right? <laughs> 100%. You know, a couple things on that. The uh, the prospecting piece, it is, it is almost comical to me. How many times, like, people will go on our website or they'll look at what we teach in Sales Academy, and somebody's going to send hate mail, hate mail on this episode alone on this subject. Jeff, you're telling me that you still teach people how to prospect by phone. Like, hey, the 1980s are calling, and they, they, want, they want the playbook back. Here's what I, and I do get ridicule from this, from business leaders, <laughs> entrepreneurs, and they think it's so old school and so archaic. And so here's the million-dollar question that I respond to that with. First off, I don't apologize, and I say, yeah, we absolutely teach that, and we have found it to work very, very well. By the way, what is working for you all? What are you currently doing? Oh, we're doing this, uh, you know, we drop it from an airplane and it parachutes. (laughs) Like, what do you – 
<laughs> I, now, look, I'm all for getting out of the sea of sameness. I'm all for warming up a call because uh, here's what we know about phone prospecting. If you're good at it and you make 20 cold calls, you might get two appointments, which means you're getting kicked in the mouth 18 times. Yep. And nobody likes that. So the best way not to get kicked in the mouth is don't pick the phone up. And that's what I feel like I'm really hearing when they say that is it, that's hard. It is hard. Sales is hard. Prospecting is hard. But losing is hard, too. So choose your heart. And so and I'll tell you, there are certain industries and I'm not hating on med device or pharma. Love y'all. Many of them have come through our workshop. I start teaching this phone thing and you can see the body language from these med or pharma reps. And I'll ask the question, what are you all doing? Well, we go in and we buy Subway and the doctor comes in and we do a quick pitch and whatever it might be. And I'm like, what if you just supplemented that? I'm not saying make it your full playbook, mm -hmm. but what if you just supplemented some phone prospecting into that based off what I'm teaching today? And as you know, Chris, what we teach in our workshop, we're not here pitching. We're not here with some gimmicky script that people want to hang up because the, it's like uh, your, your car warranty type stuff. That's not what we teach. We teach a very mm -hmm. logical <laughs> approach that says, I would be crazy not to at least give that guy 30 minutes of my time because it sounds so compelling. The best way not to be salesy on a, on a prospecting call is not to be salesy. Say something relevant. Say something that's captivating. And that's really where the miss is. So if you're listening and you're hating on the phone, maybe you just haven't been taught properly. And maybe this is the lever that you need to pull to get you the sales funnel that you need. So I love that you brought that up. And I think it is absolutely profound. The other thing was referrals. Referrals are maybe the best way to prospect because now you're taking cold to warm or hot. And uh, I have a, have you heard of Cutco Knives? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I have a, a, a college student that I'm mentoring and Cutco has a great playbook, right? But I'm telling him like the best way, nobody is saying to themselves right now in America, you know what I need is an $80 steak knife. <laughs> like nobody's saying this. But if 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 the, if Joe the the Cutco guy calls you Chris Fava and says, "Hey, I just got done helping Jeff uh, with a pair a, a set of cutlery that's going to be an heirloom that he's never going to have to pay to sharpen, and he loved it so much he asked me to call you. He said that you're really big into grilling and that this is something that you probably couldn't live without. Chris, all I wanted was to see if you had 30 minutes just for me to show you this product, this feature and benefit, and maybe help you the same way that I helped your buddy Jeff. <clears throat> you're not listening because you need a steak knife. The only reason you're going to give this guy 30 minutes is because you trust me, the referral. Sure. And so salespeople listening, if you're not hungry and driving referrals, you're missing a huge opportunity. So I love that point. Uh, referrals, absolutely picking up the phone. Let's touch on the videos. You touched, uh, you had mentioned videos because, I mean, I've talked about this on this show a lot, specifically LinkedIn videos. <clears throat> sure. Uh, in my business, Jeff Hancher Enterprises, I have gotten more podcast guests, new customers from videos to the point, Chris, I almost exclusively do videos at this point. How are you using these videos to prospect? So it's, a, well, what I have found um, is it's a massive differentiator because a lot of people aren't doing it. And so I ask myself, why aren't, why aren't they doing it? 
because people are afraid when they get on camera. Right, yep. they're afraid, and they the next thing you know, oh my God, this one video, thirty seconds, it took me thirty minutes. Well, of course, in the beginning, right. But the more you do it, just like anything else, right? Perfect practice makes perfect. Mm -hmm. uh, I am using them as I talked about prospecting sequencing earlier. It's not the lead. I, we talked about the phone. The phone is always the lead. I, I can't I can't stress that enough. Uh, and then there's times where I will switch up the email and then the prospecting video. But I use it because our prospects these days, they respond to a lot of different things. Some people may never answer the phone, and that's okay. They never answer the phone. What am I going to next? I may shoot them an email. So when I get to the third sequence, which is the video for 90% of my prospects, I tell you, I'm getting about a return rate of about 30%, 40%. Like, Chris, great video. It stands out. No right? doubt. You sent on a little thumbnail of me waving to make sure that it's, you know, not a malicious link mm -hmm. where they're getting downloading some malware. They see me waving or I hold up a little sign. That's it. Yeah, I like the sign. They see the sign. There's so many different ways. People are like, you know what? I got to give this guy a chance because I was bold. Yes. I took a chance. I got over the fact that... It didn't have to be perfect. A lot of these videos, what I do is I just grab my phone while I'm walking my Same. dog, and I'll shoot a quick 15, 20-second video. Hey, Jeff, the reason for this video, or I made this short personalized video just for you because I can't wait to tell you about you know X, Y, and Z, you know whatever the pitch yeah, is, yeah. right? You know, it's the hook bridge, hook bridge, relate, call to action. Yeah. All right. I implement that in the video message, and it sounds organic. It does, right? Yeah. Especially if they see me walking. Yeah. I see a lot of the people on LinkedIn. There's one guy that's always on some type of like power walk and he's sweating and all that. But I found myself yes. watching him. I, I can't remember the guy's name. I know exactly who you're talking <laughs> he's great. about. He's always drenched. I think he's down in Florida somewhere. <laughs> yeah. But I, I listen to him. Yeah, because it's, it's organic. It's, it's 30 seconds. You can't go into some. Talk about being natural too. And we talk a lot about getting out of the sea of sameness. Yeah. Uh, maybe you remember the tube seeders oh, and all this, oh right? Yeah, like, I still, I still, <laughs> I still do it. They right. Work. So it's getting out of this sea of sameness, but these videos are that. And here's the call to action to the listener. How many video messages a year are you getting on LinkedIn? Like how many do you get? Oh my Lord. I, I receive. Like I how receive, many do you I receive? I get 30 or 40 a week. So think about this. If, if you're getting these, are they compelling? Um, are you delivering these? Number one reason why you don't is because you're not good at it. So I'm going to throw this out there to anybody that's listening. I will consult you free of charge. Here's what I want you to do. Uh, if you're not connected to me on LinkedIn, connect with me on LinkedIn and send me your elevator pitch as if I was your prospect. I will review the pitch and I will give you feedback by way of a video back to you. And if it takes me an entire weekend to respond to all of these, I'll get back to you within seven days of you responding to this or somebody from the team will help me out. But we will get back to you because I'm so passionate about this working. I have landed some of the most what I would call hard to reach people on the planet by doing these videos. I mean, best-selling authors, Michael Watkins, The First 90 Days. Yeah. He came on the show based off of a LinkedIn video. Huh. And Imagine like, that. This is like getting into a vault trying to get a hold of this guy. So believe me when I tell you this stuff works. Great feedback on those three prospecting points. All right, moving on. We all know that if you're in sales, you can come to expect a multitude of objections. It's <clears throat> part of the game. This can be one of the most frustrating things for salespeople, especially uh, new salespeople. 
I, I there's probably multiple answers to this, but how how are you teaching? How have you taught? How has your personal experience been? And what are some of the best ways to overcome objections from potential customers and prospects? How do we get past these? <clears throat> I'm going to back into this by telling a story about what I used to do when I would get objections. Is I would go right to the responder, lower my lower my price. I was I would I didn't even listen because I was anticipating the objection. I'm like, I know the customer is going to say no. All right, well, this is why you got to go. I understand. You know, I, I would just go right in the respond, and basically it would go right back into the present again. So here I am throwing up all over the customer again, and I missed a couple key steps. And I think what we have taught, I know from our previous experiences. There's a, you need to understand and appreciate and empathize with the customer. Yeah. If you're not, if you missed that, that first step is the empathy. Empathize, right? I think one of the things uh, my wife loves about me and sometimes she hates about me is that I'm an empath, is that sometimes you know, that could be my greatest strength. Sometimes it's a weakness. In sales, it was always a strength of mine, especially once I learned how to overcome an objection. If you're not getting an object, you should be getting objections. In yeah. fact, the customer, I would, I test people all the time. I'll just throw out objections just to see how they handle the objection. And guess what? What do most most rookie sales executives go right to the response? Yeah. And they didn't even listen to me. And yeah. the next thing you know, they've lowered the price and they didn't even know. It wasn't even my initial objection. Yeah. I would just throw it. So you need to dive in it. So we talk about, you know, we want to empathize. I want to clarify. I want to make sure I heard you right. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you want to isolate it. Okay, is it price or is it, you know, the as an itemized, right? Is it something that is building up into that price? So I, I think the one thing, and it's it happens in role plays, it happens on field rides all the time, is that the, 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 the sales executive does not just sit there and go, you know what, Jeff, I can certainly appreciate why you feel that way, mm-hmm. right? I would feel that way. There's ways you need to make them comfortable. And when you empathize, what happens? The, the customer all of a sudden, your, your deposits in their bank of trust, start building. Mm-hmm. The empathy creates a partnership at this moment, right? 100%. Because it's not me against you. It's us. Let's work through this. I think that's great feedback too, because when you think about this, and obviously one of the most popular objections is price. You usually find when people object to a proposal or an idea or a value prop, whatever it might be, when they object to something, there's really a few reasons why. One, they can't make the decision, Mm -hmm. so you got it wrong in discovery. They're not the decision maker. Two, they're indecisive. You know, they they're unsure. They've been burnt in the past. So they're not saying no to you. They're just they're just scared of change. And the third reason, which is sometimes the case, is it's a real objection. Like a price objection can be real, meaning they don't have the budget for it. It could be they just don't want to pay that. It might not even be a price objection. It might be that they're not the decision maker, and that's a good way to get you out of the office. But I love what you said, which is you basically you're empathizing and you're asking a series of questions to come to what is the real objection and how do we get past this objection? Because the objections are coming. Like, here's what I do tell salespeople a lot. The best way to overcome an objection is with a great presentation. So something I recommend to salespeople, and I'd love your thoughts on this, is get that legal pad, get your pen, take take the last page in your legal pad because you, you're never going to rip it out. And every time you get an objection, just write it down. Just write it down in there. The second time you get it, hash mark. Third time, 
go through that for about three weeks. <clears throat> and then you're going to find that the most common objection that you get is price. Uh, I need to think about it. You can go down the list. Mm-hmm. Take the number one, the number one objection you get over a three-week period and figure out how you can bake in the best discovery questions and the best presentation to diffuse the objection. Meaning, if price is always the objection that you get, ask a question up front around price. If this was uh, a solution to increase the value of your current program and help you get to the profit margins and the customer retention that you had, would you be willing to pay a little bit more if I could show you the value? That would be a great discovery question to diffuse a price objection at the end. So I think you're 100% right. Like, let's get good at overcoming. There's a way to do that. Uh, you are also right that sometimes if it's like, hey, I have a uh, that's too much money. Well, how about twenty percent off? Like sometimes we go straight to that. Mm-hmm. But I would tell you, like, get really good at doing an autopsy on your blunders, and get great at overcoming them early in the process. Have you mm-hmm. found this uh, this methodology? How have you incorporated this? Like, how can how can a salesperson listening? Uh, think about, all right, these are the common objections that I get. How do I handle these early on? <clears throat> you bring up a great point. I think the, the, in the beginning, the discovery, asking those pointed questions to where the objection really doesn't make sense because we have basically made this a requirement, our service that is going to go ahead and solve, you know, whatever their buying motive was that ties in, right? So I, I think that's, I think one thing that's really worked, worked for us and my teams and all the sales trainings I conducted is that you, I love what you said is identify those common objections and then practice the hell out of handling yes. them. We used to do the speed rounds. So I, I'm not sure if listeners out there, if you're doing a, a Monday morning training or a Wednesday training, or, or you'll get the training when you sign up for, for Jeff, Hand, Jeff Hancher Enterprises, is that we go ahead and practice handling those. So when you get them, you immediately, because most of the time, the way you're handling them, you, you, it's going to work for, for most of your customers, yes. right? So I think doing speed rounds, hey, the price is too high. Okay, Mr. Customer, I can certainly appreciate price is really important. What specifically about the price concerns you? Yep. Uh, okay, it's this. Okay, all right. Well, is there anything else besides price that's holding you back from moving forward today? No. Okay. Well, let's go back to what you said, right? And so you follow that model every time you're getting an objection. So go and practice. Grab your sales manager and say, I want to spend a half an hour going through and practicing how I handle these four. And then when you get in there, it's going to be second nature on how you handle that objection. It's muscle memory at this point. All of a sudden, you're going to walk out of those appointments going, oh my God. Now think about where you were when you got... Uh, then you go right to the response. <laughs> right. I talked about throwing up all over the customer, and then you have ju- then you just your only failsafe was to lower the price. Yes, and it, there's people that are trained to do that to you. But if you handle that objection right, yeah, because somewhere there's a podcast episode being recorded about how to handle salespeople. And they're called purchasing agents or whatever, (laughs) right? Like say this or say that. Get you to chase the red herring right in the beginning. Yeah, but if you have this muscle memory, I tell people too, like, hey, I'm from Pittsburgh. And as crazy as this is, every stinking winter, it gets cold. Every year, without fail, it gets cold and it snows. And every year, people walk around like, can you believe it? This is happening again. You can either complain about the weather or you can get a warmer jacket. 
And that's kind of how the game of sales is. Mm -hmm. You can keep complaining about objections, but I promise you, I don't care how great you are. You can minimize them. You're always going to get them. Yes. Be prepared for them. Get a warmer coat. Get great at it. And to Chris's point, like if you don't have a sales manager, you do now. That's what our team does. That's why we exist. We want to support those efforts. All right, Chris, the world of business, it's moving fast. Um, I just had somebody on uh, last episode to talk about artificial intelligence and chat GBT. And I mean, business climates are moving really, really fast. Everything's moving at a fast pace. It's critical that salespeople stay on top of this ever-changing business climate. What are some of the latest trends in sales that salespeople should be aware of that you're seeing out there? Good question, Jeff. So I, I think some of the, the trends, as far as business moving extremely fast and the climate is changing, I think the, the one thing that you need to be aware of is that a lot of our customers and prospects know way more about us than we know about them. And I think one of the trends is building your brand. You know, I, I, I look at, you know, what you have built here at Jeff, Jeff Hancher Enterprises and having a professional LinkedIn page, people are looking you up. People are doing research. They're looking on social media. So I, when I mean as a trend, let's dive into that a little bit, right? So is it, I, I'm identifying this as the customer knowing way more about you and your business, yeah. Okay, so making sure that you have a brand. Mm -hmm. I see so many. It's funny. I look on LinkedIn and I look at even some of the people I've I have mentored in the past, and that's their professional page. They're representing their company, and they have like a selfie photo mm. up, or you a know, picture of the bass at the lake, or yeah. You know, like, and I love bass fishing, but. And, and so do I. But I'm not going to buy from you if I'm looking you up. Like, be professional. Go and spend 40, 50 bucks at Glamour Shots and do the Uncle Rico, you know, from <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite, right? You know, get a badge, get a vest, <laughs> but make it, make it look professional. Right on. You have to be professional because they're looking you up. Yeah. Right? And you're sending an email, okay, if I want to buy from, from Jeff, I'm going to go ahead and research him. I'm sure, you know, your customers and prospects mm -hmm. uh, spend some time looking at you. That's mm -hmm. a, I don't know if that's a trend, Jeff. I'm not sure if I'm answering that I correctly. I think you're you're hitting the nail right on the head. I mean, even let's let's dive a little bit deeper. Uh, in organizations, in the, my current organization, is I look at like pictures and their outlook, their outlook photos or avatars and all this craziness. You have to be professional. And what I talked about in the beginning is who are we looking to hire and who do we buy from? I buy from winners and I buy people that have business maturity and they're professional. Mm -hmm. I want a professional sales executive. Yeah. That's part of the trust. I'm trusting to meet with you based on what I have learned about you. Mm -hmm. Because if you're like, if you're making a purchase and if you're like, even compared to professional or personal, you're doing some research on that. No question about it. This branding uh, cannot be understated. And I, I will tell you, like some people, and there are people listening that would say that's old school. I don't need that. I don't need social media. We don't need, well, I'm not a TikToker. That's for the younger generation. Suit yourself. But I am telling you, that is where it's going. And if you're in the game of sales, like we're doing our pre-call planning, 
Like we're researching them. Sure. Make no mistake about it. These people are researching you as well. And by the way, leaders listening, your best recruiting tool, I promise you when people are coming to interview at your office, they're checking out your LinkedIn page. They're probably even slipping into your Facebook to see who you are on the weekend. Mm -hmm. Like you got to be buttoned up in all areas. Like my wife even knows, like you don't post anything on your page until I see it. Yep. Like I don't, I don't want like... I don't know, I'm wearing cut-off jeans, and I look, I'm in my Daisy Dukes, like, out cutting the grass. Like, <laughs> I don't need, I'm not about that, right? That's not my image. Now, I mean, I cut the grass in Daisy Dukes, but that's just between me and you, right? Yeah, I, mean, it gets I don't hot need out. the whole world yeah, to know this. hanging out, it's great. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. But I think you're absolutely right. I have this client, he's in the... Um, He's in the beauty space, we'll call it, like uh, hair regeneration. I don't want to call him out, but I, I was telling him this. Like when I first started coaching him, he has a full sales team. He's the president of the company. And I'm checking him out online, and he's talking about recruiting efforts, and we're talking about always be recruiting, and you know, we had the big turnover coming, all of this stuff. And I'm like, listen, I got to tell you, like when I go on your LinkedIn, you haven't posted in like 12 months. And the post that you did had was like a repost of a leadership quote from John Maxwell. Nobody knows who you are, what you do. So he created something. It's called Thinner Hair Thursday. And he goes on and he talks about thinning hair and how to fix it. And he has industry experts coming in. He's built this image and this brand of this expert. And it's kind of like the Gary V uh, jab, jab, right hook. Like, don't make it all about business. I just went on vacation to the national parks, and I posted a picture of me and my wife in front of the Red Rocks, and the caption was about burnout. Now, I mean, look, I got way more likes because there's a pretty girl in the picture, and all. I could be <laughs> spilling my guts out on content. But it wasn't just that. It was that I was giving them a glimpse into my life, too, who I am, not just what I do. And so salespeople, I got to tell you, um, make sure you're doing this. I wish I knew her name, but there is a there's a sales rep in the fire industry in in South Florida that is killing the game. I mean, killing it. And you would think like, what's so exciting about fire extinguishers and sprinklers? She's videoing, educating, uh, telling her prospect base exactly what it means to do this right. She has this following. She's probably averaging seven, 800 likes a post. Wow. And even if you're only getting one like, guess what? That's one person that's swimming towards you. <laughs> yep. So I 100% agree. Like building the brand, it's big. And technology is moving fast. Push through the discomfort of doing a, a video or a picture with some content in it. I couldn't agree more. Have some fun with it. And, you know, I think that's the, the one thing that when I was – doing a lot of my sales trainings is that I think a lot of people, it made, it sounded like work to them. And then once they got past, they did a couple, you know, of the, whether it's the videos, LinkedIn posts, putting yourself out there a little bit, but being professional with it, I, I think, because based on what we know and the research that we know is that these customers are doing a lot of research on, on us, but also be genuine. Yeah. It doesn't always like, I like the, your Gary V uh, reference. It's awesome. It doesn't always have to be business. Show a little bit the other side of you. And I think that's the one thing I know you talk about, you know, in your sales leadership classes is is showing your team, you know, that other side of you. Not be being transparent to a point to where you're not divulging too much. 
And guess what? You know, that transition of trust that happens between your team or and or the customer, mm-hmm. boy, that's magic, right? And you walk in and listen, this guy isn't very salesy. He's unbuttoned up. You know, I, I listen, I, I am about business, but I also want to show you who a little bit about me. Yes. And guess what? People buy from people they trust. It's true. And that page, your brand, that's the first thing they see. Yes. That's the first thing they see. So if you got something that that stands out like and that that makes the sale that first sales call so much easier because you know what? I saw I saw what you I saw what you stand for. I saw what you're putting out there. I want to I, I, I want to at least give you the 15, 20 minutes yeah. that I agreed to when you called me 20 times. So right. true. And what an icebreaker, too. You know, I always talk about like that hard to reach prospect or the one that went cold on you and you remember what their problem was. How about shooting a video on that, posting it on LinkedIn and tagging them? Like, oh, that's hey, brilliant. Here's, here's a solution to your problem. Yeah. I just posted about it. This is free. I'm giving this to you because I care. Whether I get your business or not, I'm always going to add value. And I love what you're saying about the vulnerability, and I do agree there is a line. Uh, but I people love vulnerability. You know, this is a no-filter uh, generation. I'm not wearing makeup. This mm-hmm. is me yeah. in the raw. Right. I have cellulite. You know, <laughs> I'm not telling you, like, to tell – you know, people in your opening line of a sales call that you had a wart removed yesterday. But <laughs> it's like, I think there's a level of vulnerability when we're putting our brand out there that people do like. Well, you, like you said, right, there's a perception of what, like what sales, I remember there was a cartoon back in the day we used to show in, in our training deck is what, what's, what my friends and family think I do, right? I oh, sit back, yeah. count the money and all that. I'm, I'm working like five hours a week and I'm salesy. I'm use this used car sales. You gotta. We gotta get that that stick. We gotta overcome that stigma. And how do you do it? There's so many different ways. Uh, but I think it starts with your personal page. Be careful, really. You, you talked about social media. Be careful what you're putting out there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all kinds of ways to make sure that. Uh, there's stuff for the public, friends, friends with acquaintances. Be extremely mm. careful. I can assure you, your employer is is checking it out. Oh, so make yes. sure that you're not putting something out there that mm-hmm. may be detrimental to you uh, or the company. But yeah. um, I'll cl- let me. I'll, I'll say this with trends because everyone wants to know the latest trends. Jeff, has anything really changed? No. Over the like these trends. No. Doesn't don't we always somehow go back to the basics? Hey, we really do. We really do. I mean, this and playbook I think we, that we talk about. We get so enamored by the new technology, and I'm about it. Sure. But you're 100% right. And and we we had a technology expert on the show not too long ago about artificial intelligence and he said we are a long way away from this taking over the human capital side of this. Yes. And especially in sales. Now, look, I think it's going to change the game. It's going to speed things up. Stay in tune. Stay abreast of it. But at the end of the day, if you're in sales, prospecting's got to happen. You have to know why somebody would be compelled to move forward, pain, pleasure, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And then you got to present great features and benefits that tie into the pain or the pleasure. I mean, that's really the essence of this. And I mean, look, there's there we could go on for the next 20 hours about sales tactics and strategies and processes and wins and losses that we've had over the years, uh, which is why we're we're launching the new thing. But, um, you know, I think it's a good place to stop. I think we've given the listener something to think about. We've given them a few nuggets. Of course, I would love to have you back on the show in the future. Listen, if you have. 
you have sales questions that you would want to have answered, um, we'll have Chris back on the show. We'll do some roundtable. Uh, we'd love to promote you and your company and address who you're from and the questions that you have. We'll tackle them. Uh, between the two of us, there's probably not a whole lot we haven't seen out there. I've been kicked in the shin, thrown out of businesses, <laughs> called dirty names. You name it, I have seen it. But, Chris, listen, thanks for making time to add value uh, to many of the listeners that are listening, that are chasing sales excellence. Uh, listen, our, our team, uh, we're creating some amazing opportunities for salespeople and entrepreneurs to increase their sales acumen. Not everybody has a playbook. Not everybody has an internal sales manager. Um, man, you, there's so much out there that we have to offer from the Sales Academy and the new launch of our, our new online sales groups. Chris, can you tell the listeners a little bit more about maybe what they can expect from the sales training group that you're going to be facilitating for us? Absolutely, Jeff. So if you're in sales and looking to gain a competitive advantage, uh, or maybe you're not in sales yet, but just like me and aspire to make a sales career path, then this group's for you. Uh, you know, what we do is putting in the effort to make you better at your craft. And it's inevitable, it's inev inevitable to reach your fullest potential. In these sessions, we'll be helping you close more sales and generate more sales activity. We'll be providing tried and true principles that help numerous salespeople achieve tremendous amount of success. Just like anything, there is a model to follow to achieve sales excellence. We will be covering all principles in the sales cycle, from the initial prospecting call to handling the inevitable objections at the close and getting the all-important referrals. Uh, the group meets every first and third Wednesday of the month from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time via Zoom, and we would love to have you join us. Man, can't wait to launch it. We're launching it. By the time you listen to this, it's already going to be launched. Um, but look, we are going to make room for you. Chris and I have already talked. We're open to even adding more facilitators uh, into the mix if need be. Uh, it's going to be very interactive. Uh, Chris and I have a good playbook, a good game plan put together to run people through from prospecting all of the steps of the sales process. Uh, we're also going to open up a specific email line so that if you are a part of the group and you have specific questions that you want us to address in the group sessions, we're going to have that available for you as well. So make sure you take advantage of that. Uh, there it is. You all have requested, uh, many of you have requested additional sales support. We're committed to making the investments to your team to make sure that you get the best training possible. And I assure you that we have an absolute passionate sales expert in Chris Fava. If you want to learn more or register for the group training, make sure that you go to jeffhancher.com, hit the drop down for interactive groups, and you can learn more there. Chris, thanks again. Really appreciate you being on the show today. And thanks in advance for all the, uh, all the value that you're going to bring to the people in the group. Thanks for having me, Jeff. It was a pleasure. You bet. Listeners, I hope this episode challenged you to think about your sales approach and uh, take some of these tips to adjust your pursuit to sales success. What we've learned in this pursuit is that winning is hard. Uh, sales will bring truckloads of pressure to you. But until next time, be sure that you're turning that pressure into potential. The Champion Forum Podcast with Jeff Hancher. Lead. Inspire. Win. Win.